think a uh, I think a record was broken today, a record which I held for many years. Back in about 1980, I guess it was, the spirit got a hold of me in the YMCA building down in Annapolis, and I made 28 laps. And I think it was broken today. So, anyway. There you are. You're still on your feet. You're ready to go for another 29, huh? Good man. May you keep that record intact for a good many years. Well, there was kind of an interesting dynamic here this morning. Did you Have you paid attention to what really happened? I mean, it was kind of interesting. It was kind of, uh, you know, when Sister Wright was up here exhorting us, and uh, she was like, uh, it was like she was walking through mud, you know. You got to pull up each foot and set it up. And then, you know, it just began to, to build and build. And then all of a sudden, almost everybody kind of got into this thing. I mean, and you were getting after it. And, uh, wow. So I, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic. It's interesting that we can come in and be kind of unplugged and then get plugged. <laughs> I, I don't know. And we can get recharged and, and really, <clears throat> I mean, really what's happening when that, when that takes place? What's really happening? God isn't changing. His presence isn't changing. His power isn't changing. It's just a matter of, you know, just realizing corporately and individually all over again what a wonderful Savior we've come to know. And added to that is, hopefully for those mature saints of Antioch West, it's a revelation all over again, I mean, over and over and over again, of what a key part that this congregation plays in him, his growing kingdom here. And uh, who knows where this, I mean, I, I pointed this, I was trying to point this out this morning to somebody. I mean, who knows where this journey ends? I mean, here on the earth and here in the plan to, to spread his gospel. So it's an interesting place where you are. I congratulate you. I, uh, I respect you very, very much. Uh, your pastor and his wife and all the leaders of this church mean so very, very much to me. I talked to my wife this morning and she, she, she said, listen. Tell everybody how much I miss them and I love them, etc. So, so greetings from my wife. We're on, you know we're a little bit constrained when it comes to traveling because my mom, my 94 year old mom lives with us, and so uh, you know when I've got to go on the road, it's, most of the time it means that Pat has to stay there as the primary caretaker, which she which she is for all of us. But anyway, so she would love to be here, and I would love for her to be here. I admire you in a lot of different ways and um, am jealous over you, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, I think I could be a saint here. John, how long have you been playing the drums like that? How many years have you been? Do you have, like, drum muscles? 30-some years beating it out on the... Wow. You know, it's an easy thing to overlook. You know, we're up here jumping around and doing that stuff and singing the songs and going over and over and over. Let's sing it 14 more times. And then, you know, there's the drummer. 
can I get a break? It's like you should have a, like a bus driver that can slip into your seat as you, maybe two stools and you can slide over to the other one and give one stick to the other guy and make a smooth transition. Thanks for beating the drums for so long. So faithfully and so timely. So the keyboard player was gone. And look who had to step in. Man, that's nice. You know, have that kind of talent just hanging around. I kind of wish, who's the backup preacher today, by the way? You may need to slip in. I, I'm kind of... <clears throat> I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. Just dumb stuff. I, I, I am amazed at how, I was reflecting on this the other day, of how, how God rescued me and sheltered me. I mean, I really, I, I could have been in prison right now, easily. I mean, I, really, I could be serving time to this very day. I mean, I could have had some long sentence. I'm, I mean, you get, in, you get involved with the wrong people and the wrong drugs and the wrong stuff going on. and um, Wow. I mean, anything could have happened. And God, God just said, not right now. I've done some stupid things. We had a wonderful meeting last night with the uh, small group leaders and the senior leaders, the pastor and his wife at Brother Bickley's house, which is just made for those kind of great meetings, you know. Got that high ceiling, you know, and just... Maybe that's why it's not selling yet. It's like the perfect... <laughs> anyway, it's a perfect meeting place. And I, you know, I can assure you, and I, I pressed, you know, I twisted arms. and I was. It, I, it came across a little rough because I've got this cold, and so... I couldn't, you know, I just plowing ahead with these points that, you know, we've got to make and looking at their response. But I, I know this much. They're, they are dedicated to making sure at every turn that uh, you are equipped for the work of the ministry. So for that, I applaud them, I applaud you, and I applaud what you're doing. Anyway, dumb things, stupid things. I had I was flying a uh, an AIM an AIM couple from Zambia to Zimbabwe one time, and uh, I had a terrible head cold. When I get a cold, I can't think right, so beware this morning. But I, I think I'm getting through this. But check your Bibles when I say stuff. <laughs> um, so I was flying this couple, and uh, you know everything was going fine. And I knew you know I knew my ears were going to be feeling funny when we you know we get up the altitude. And I was I was prepared for all that, but we, you know, we went through customs and immigration and checked everything and security clearances and climbed in the airplane and you know loaded their stuff and and uh, actually I I left them at the terminal and I went down to the hangar and got the airplane, brought it up to where they were and picked them up, loaded them, blasted off. Here we go, turning out on course to uh, Harare, Zimbabwe. And the lady says, this AIM lady, this associate in missions guy's wife, she, she taps me on the shoulder. She says, do you, ha, do you know where my garment bag is? I mean, it's not like a big airplane. <laughs> so, you know, she put two and two together and realized there was no garment bag in there with us. And uh, 
I said, garment bag? It's not bad. No, it's not back there. Okay. So I called uh, the Lusaka Tower, and I said, excuse me, i got to come back. And Oh, are you declaring an emergency? No, 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 we just left a piece of luggage. And so I come back, and I said, by the way, can we just kind of park on the ramp here, and I can go get the luggage? No, 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 you've got to come back and clear customs and immigration, blah, 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 blah. I'm just stupid, you know. So I've been really kind of careful about that in successive flights, you know, make sure all the bags are there. But then there's also the other stuff that's just so seriously wrong and humiliating that we do. Can you think of some humiliating thing that you've done? Some humiliating thing that you really wouldn't want anybody to know about. I mean, I guess we could have testimonies about humiliating things we've done, but they would only go to a certain point. Because some of us, I mean, we just wouldn't. I I could tell you some stuff. No, I couldn't. There's no way I'd tell you some of that stuff. No way. It's just stupid. Stuff that if, it, if, if the thought just comes near my brain, I just feel ashamed and stupid. And then thank God for deliverance from those days and those ways of thinking. All the stupid little things we've done. Things you wish you could have righted before they even happened. If you could just come to yourself back, you know, into that moment and, and change it, but you know, you can't. Things you wish that you could do over. We need do-overs, you know, in the kingdom of God. We need do. We, in life, we need do-overs. You know, if you, I remember when I was a kid, when we, you know, we'd be playing and comparing ourselves among ourselves, you know, and you know, I know I can jump higher or farther or shoot a basketball farther or throw a football longer or whatever it is than you guys, and you compete for a couple minutes, and then you just fall a little bit short, and you say, I need a do-over because I can do that better. There's a, there's a lot of humiliating things as we walk through this world. I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about what I'm calling the ultimate humiliation. Do you know that, um, let me ask you this. If I said to you, if I mentioned the name Lucifer to you, do you know what I'm talking about? You do? Okay. It's not the devil. You thought it was, didn't you? Nowhere in the Bible is the devil called Lucifer. Nowhere. There's this passage in Isaiah chapter 14, and this is where where preachers have tried to prove to us over the years. They've done a good job of making us think that Lucifer is is one of the names of the devil, but it's really not. Here's what it says. There's this prophecy that Isaiah gives... And it's about, it's about Babylon. It's about the, the king of Babylonia. And it's about his demise. It's about the falling, the, the complete collapse and utter overthrow by the power of God concerning the reign of this Babylonian king. And in chapters 13 and 14, it's, it's very specific about his demise. Let me read some of 14 here. The Lord will have mercy on Jacob and he'll choose Israel and set them in their own land and the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. 
And the people shall take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the, in the, land of the Lord for servants and handmaids, and they shall take them captives, whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. It shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from your sorrow and from your fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve, that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased and the golden city ceased? The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hinders. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break, they break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee and the cedars of Lebanon, Lebanon saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller, that's somebody who's cutting down trees, is come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations, and all they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. Verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And from that, people have derived for, for years and years and years and years that this is a prophecy about the devil and his, his destiny. But it's actually not. It's actually about an, a human king. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In this world in which we live, there is a very evil power. It's horribly evil. There is a devil. His name could be called Satan. And he is horribly evil. And he's so bad at being, or he's so good, let me put it that way, he's so good at being bad. He is perfectly evil. He has corrupted everyone ever born into this life except Jesus, the Almighty. He's corrupted every single one of us sitting here at some point in time. It may have been a little while, maybe not so long ago, that you kind of went haywire for a few minutes and you did something really stupid again. That's what we do. We're humans. That's the human condition. That's the way it is. That's part of the package. But it's controlled by this, this force, this, this one who used to be a shining angel of light. One of the close angels around the throne of God. One who was made by the Almighty God and made to worship Him forever. And yet somehow, by some, by some decision and some strength that was part of who He was, He overthrew what God wanted Him to be. And He determined in His own spirit, in His own way, in His own wisdom, I don't know how long this brood inside of his spirit or his mind or the, however you, whatever the, 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 the conception of this, this evil angel is. I, I don't know how his thinking process worked. And I don't know how long it's got, st- and God knew all along. Because God knows everything anyway. And God knew when he, when he created this angel that he would, he would one day rebel. And he would overthrow the world and claim it for his own. 
And he would go everywhere and pervert everybody's life and, and consume people with evil, evil thoughts. It didn't take long from Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 to Genesis 6 where it says of, of mankind that the only thing that men could think of was evil continually. That's all they could think of. The only thoughts they could conjure up were thoughts that were evil. Thoughts against the spirit and direction that God had set and promised for mankind. It's a horrible power. It's a horrible power. It's crippling and it's humiliating. And and causes us to do a lot of these things that we we did because there's this evil force that surrounds us and and urges us, urges us the wrong way. Take this side. Take this. Take this way. And it's good that we sing songs that are anti-devil. That's good. But sometimes, sometimes it's almost like a cartoon, and we're somehow. We're, it's almost like we simplify this really this this sincerely evil power that wars against every one of us. There's a power of destruction on the earth that touches every single one of us. Since the creation of mankind, Satan has tempted, deceived, and compromised everybody everywhere. He's cheated and he's lied and he's misdirected and he's destroyed using a God-given power while at the same time exalting himself above his own creator, believing himself to be equal somehow with God and ultimately, hopefully, superior to God. It's that power that caused this Babylonian king to become so terribly wicked and oppressive. And so it's not... It's not so hard to see how this could actually be a, a double prophecy or a, there could be a double fulfillment of this prophecy. That it's not just this Babylonian king that's going to fall, but it's going to be the power, the powerful one that, that had possessed him and caused him to be so terribly cruel. How that art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, which means the shining one, son of the morning. They're referring to the, to the day star that comes before the sun comes up. You know, you can look in the east, you know, most of the year, and if the sky is clear and the time is right, you'll see that little, it, we call it a star, but it's the planet Venus. And before the sun comes up, it's reflecting off of Venus, and, and this, this, this planet of Venus just shines to us. That's the morning star. Later on in the New Testament, you'll find that there really is one that's, that's called the, the day star or the morning star. And that, of course, is Jesus. Peter uses that very terminology concerning Jesus and how by looking at him, it gives us hope for the day. At the darkest time of the night, before the dawn ever arrives, we can look upward and we can see the shining star. We can see the day star that is announcing to us that there's hope for a new day. But it's tough. It's tough doing that sometimes. You just even lift your head up and look. The devil's real. And this Lucifer here is, is actually, remember, Lucifer just means the shining one. That's all it means. It's a, it's a king, but it could very well just equally be the demise of the devil as well. And that's the funny thing to me. You know, because this is a great humiliation that this prophecy is, is telling about. 
The one who thinks he's equal with God or in some way superior to God is going to be brought completely down to nothing. And as much as we struggle against him and against his suggestions, and as much as we plod through life trying to do the will of God, you know, the very best we can with, with, the, with the power and the direction of, the, of God's Holy Spirit, we're met on a regular basis by the enemy and his lies and his deceit and his suggestions to do evil instead of good. Take the word live and turn it around and what is it? E-V-I-L, evil. That's what he does. He takes things that should cause us to live and he turns them into evil. But there's a great humiliation coming for him. There's a great humiliation coming. In the book of Hebrews, let me read about some of this, the ultimate destiny of this evil one and how it took place. Hebrews chapter number 2. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, then how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him hence the dynamic of some of what happened this morning because we walk in here in our human condition and we don't see all things put under the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who's alive and living inside of every one of us or maybe you're here and he's not living inside of you and and you you're I mean you're at peril every moment of every day because you're you're subject to the evil one You're completely helpless in his sight. You have no power whatsoever to overcome his lies and deceptions. He'll trick you and he'll destroy you. In the same passage of scripture in John chapter number 10 where Jesus announced how the good shepherd has come to give life. He also tells us that there's an evil one who does nothing but steal and kill and destroy. That's who he is and that's what he does. And without the power of God's Holy Spirit giving us strength and perseverance and, 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 and hope and destiny, then we're enslaved by this evil one. So what's a man to do? You've put all things under, in subjection under his feet, but now we don't see yet all things put under him. And so we gather together as the saints of God and somebody leads us in a song that directs and focuses our faith on, on one aspect of living for God. And that aspect this morning was this victorious march and victorious position and holding our heads up high and standing on our feet and looking the devil in the eye and saying, listen, Satan, one thing is for sure. My mind is made up. I'll fall from day to day. 
I'll struggle from time to time. But my mind is made up. And I won't be shaken away from this kingdom. God did this for me. Now listen, listen. But now we see not yet all things put under him. And then during that song, we, all of a sudden we, we saw once again everything put under him. Can you switch off? Let me switch it off. The fan's turning pages in my Bible that I don't want to be turned. So we don't see yet all things put under him. Verse 9, but we see Jesus. So, you know, the human mind at my house for the last several weeks, it's that time of year where I, I get up early in the morning every day, before, long before it's light, and I, there's this chair that I sit in, and right next to the chair is a, is a double, you know, a sliding door that goes out onto a, onto a deck. And outside that door for the last several weeks has been um, Ursa Major, the Big Dipper. And, all, and, all, and we've had all these clear mornings. We've been in a drought, I think, like you guys have been. And for morning after morning after morning when I go and I sit in my chair, I just turn my eyes out that glass door and there's this Big Dipper there just as beautiful and clear as anything. And I just marvel. I get to thinking sometimes instead of praying, I get to thinking about how vast space is and how, how the truth, the reality of, of all of this stuff is that we're all right in the middle of God. That in Him we live and move and have our being. And all of this great, all of the galaxies and all of this great universe that we're, that we're studying, all these scientists are discovering all these great things, all of this is contained right in the middle of the greatness of God. How big is our God? We see Jesus. Look around. Look harder. Look more closely. And you'll see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. We're going to read about something here. Let's listen to this. For it became him, that's God, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Verse number 13. And again I'll put my trust in him, and again behold I and the children which God has given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also himself likewise took part of the same, so that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Satan, 
There's a tremendous, there's a tremendous hum, humiliation coming your way. You can read about it in Revelation chapter number 20 if you want to, but it's a terrible end to this one who considers himself so great. He'll be cast into a lake of fire, which the Bible says burns forever and ever. But the way that it took place is by an even greater humiliation. When the Almighty God, in whom we live and move and have our being, and the one who's made everything and is so good to us, when that God condescended and became flesh and lived through suffering to give his life in place of ours so that we could gain this victory over the lies and strategies of the devil. So the humiliation of the devil will be final and be complete and be, and will be horrible in its own way. One who was made as the shining one will fall completely apart and be eternally humiliated, but it took a greater humiliation to bring that to pass. Verse number seven there of chapter two, it says, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory. Literally, it says, but he emptied himself of his glory by taking on the form of a slave. In Hebrews 4.15, it tells us that this Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. God was tempted in all points. Do you understand how humiliating that is for God? For this life and for the enemy of this life to have the right and privilege and opportunity to tempt him in all points the way you and I are tempted. For him to feel that disgusting, shameful feeling when he's asked by an enemy who's nothing but a liar to do something that is carnal and wrong and contrary to the will of God. To be mocked To be accused of something that he didn't do. To be found as a sinner. To be dragged through the streets of Jerusalem. To be beaten by Roman soldiers. Whipped. I mean, utterly, utterly humiliated in front of the the entire nation of Israel and, and the world. So that he could rescue us from ourselves and from the throes of the devil. Tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. In Luke 23, we read about Jesus being on the cross and one of the, one of the thieves that was crucified next to him was railing on him and, 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 and torturing him by his word saying, if you're really the son of God, then come down from your cross and, and take us down from our crosses and save us as well. Save yourself and save us along with it. But the other thief saw it for what it was in his dying moments, saw Jesus for who he was. And asked the Lord to simply remember him when he came into his kingdom. And Jesus, this broken and battered God in the flesh. Giving his all for you and me. Says the most beautiful words ever. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Not long after that, he gives up the ghost. What a humiliation. (laughs) 
almost every time, Pastor Joe, almost every time, and and, and you you use the words today. I'm not finding fault in in the words. I, I understand the I understand the motive. But this 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 thought got in my brain many years ago, and whenever I hear the guy that or the lady that's leading this in some form of worship or, or whatever it is, some preliminary thing, you know, and let's clap our hands for the Lord, and I I clap and I clap. And I always think, every time I hear that, how long should we clap? Let's clap our hands for the Lord. The King of glory? How long do you clap? How long do you clap for one who suffered this terrible humiliation so that we can live forever with him. And it's amazing how sometimes we clap so briefly. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But you can't just stand there like an idiot and keep clapping, can you? Or can you? But there's still a greater humiliation than that. It's the greatest humiliation. You can read about it in Luke chapter number 13. This is to me the ultimate humiliation. This is it. This is the one. This is the one you've got to avoid at all costs. You can't get caught up in this, the greatest humiliation. Can't lose it here. Can't go there. Jesus is speaking. He's going through the cities and villages and he's teaching as he goes on his way to Jerusalem. And then somebody asked him, it just said, one said unto him in verse number 23, Lord, are there few? Are there few that be saved? Is it hard? What does it mean? Are there few that be saved? And Jesus said unto them in verse 24, Strive, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and they shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Bring it forward to modern day English. I don't know where you've come from. And then shall you begin to say, we have eaten and we we drank in your presence. We had coffee in the middle of the worship service. We drank and we ate in your presence. In other words, we fellowshiped with you. We knew you. We knew you. You'll begin to say, we've eaten and drunk in your presence. And, and you've taught in our streets. You visited our, our, you came to our village. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob 
You'll be right at the door of paradise. And be able to see the patriarchs that have gone on to be with the Lord before. And you'll see them in the, in the glory of God and in the presence of the Almighty One. You'll be right there. And all, and beating, beating on the door for God to let you in. And all he'll say is, I know you not. The word know there is not, it's not the typical know like knowledge. It actually means to see or perceive. That's the verb. It's not that, it's not that I, it's not about knowing up here mentally. It's about I can't see and perceive where you're from. Listen to me. We say it all the time, and it's a popular Christian cliche to say that God can do anything. And it's absolutely wrong. I mean, he's omnipotent, but only concerned with who he is. He's not omnipotent concerning things that he's not. You say, well, wait a minute, what, 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 what is around that God doesn't have control over? Well, I'll tell you something that God can't do. He can't lie. Because if he lied, he's not God. He can't change because he's perfect in who he is. He can't force you to be saved. He can't overcome your will. He can't make you something that you don't want to be. He can't take you to the next place unless you say, it's time, I understand, Lord, I'm ready. And he can't call what's not his as though it's his own. So get the scene here. Get the import of what's going on here. Jesus is simply telling a a story. He's using a metaphor of a master of a house. It's time to close the door. The last ones in are in. Nobody else is going to come in. And people will be banging on the door saying to the master, but let us in because we know who you are and, and you should know who we are. And the master replies, I don't, I can't perceive where you're from. The ultimate humiliation will be people that thought they knew God somehow. But in the great day, they'll beat on the door. And God will only be able to reply, I don't, I can't perceive who you are. I can't understand where you're from. But I know this, you're not part of my kingdom. That's the greatest humiliation. To have known God, to have heard about God, to have to have contemplated the subject of God, and then not make it. There's a there's an old hymn that I absolutely love. It's it was written in 1870 by a woman named Caroline Noel, and in the middle of this hymn, it uses these words about Jesus. He was humbled for a season to receive a name so that from the lips of sinners he would hear this, the ones to which he came. Faithfully he bore it, spotless to the last, 
and brought it back victorious when through death he passed. So in your hearts enthrone him and there let him subdue all that is not holy and all that is not true. Crown him as your captain in temptation's hour and let his will enfold you in its light and power. I love that hymn. I don't know where you're from. Jesus is going to answer. I don't know where you're from. I don't even recognize you. The all omniscient God, by his own, by the definition of who he is and, and his righteous kingdom being what it is, will have to say, I don't know where you're from. Would you stand? I know what somebody's going to say. Somebody's going to report back. Somebody's going to report back, hopefully to all the way to the bishop. Say, man, Grossbach preached a downer. Preached a downer. There we were, cruising along. And running laps like never before. With a clear understanding for a few moments of who we are in the great perspective of things. And then Grossbach comes along and tells us about a time of the greatest humiliation. Don't deceive yourselves. This isn't an easy thing. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him what? Deny himself. And take up his cross. Do you know what? The apostolic fathers, the ones that followed after the, after the apostles, they, they all, it's almost every one of them wrote somewhere and said something about the fact how, about how much they wanted to, to die and be martyrs for the name of Jesus. They thought that what Jesus was saying when he said, if you'll come after me, deny yourself and take your, they thought that meant literally going to death for his name's sake. That's how they believe this thing. And we can drink coffee when it's time to worship the the Almighty One. Jesus, help us. Help us. Help us. Give us a revelation, Lord. Jesus. Antioch West, I'm not trying to throw water on your fire. I'm I'm just trying to connect you once again to the one who gave it all for you and me. Lord, I love you more than anything. Lord, I would go anywhere for you. I would go anywhere. Lord, I would do anything. I'll do anything. But I don't want to stand at the door and beat on it at the end and hear this voice say, I don't even know where you're from. Depart from me in another place. Workers of iniquity, I never, I never knew you. I mean, but didn't he know them? He knew who they were. But he doesn't, he can't perceive that. He can't think that way. He can't compromise like that. God can never compromise. God will never compromise. God will never turn from His own way. 
He'll never lower His standards to let you and I in on some easy pass. It doesn't work like that. I love Him more than anything. Do you love Him more than anything? Do you get that feeling of when... When the preacher says, let's clap our hands for the Lord, do you just give it 10 claps or 12 claps? Or does this sudden feeling come all over you? I could never, I could never, I could never clap enough. No wonder we're going to celebrate so much in heaven because it'll all be in perfect perspective and context as we look upon the face of the one who saved us by his grace. The Bible tells us that then we'll know him even as we are known. Oh, Jesus, help us. If you're here today and you've never been filled with the spirit of the almighty God, what are you waiting for? Life is like a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. It's here and it's gone. So what's God What's God speaking to you right now? If you feel anything at all in your heart about the love of God drawing you one step closer, I want you to come and pray. I want you to come and pray. And just dare to let God take control of you for the moment. Praise God. In Jesus' name, Lord. Help us. I used to pray. I used to pray. Lord, open our hearts, open my heart. And then I realized, I realized after a few years that it doesn't work like that. And so now I pray, Lord, help me, help me open my heart. He's not going to force this thing open. Lord, help me open my heart unto you. Help me feel after you, God. Help me be real. God, help me be real. Antioch West, you've got a destiny according to the will of God. And to see it come to pass, you've got to be the real deal. Jesus, help us. Help us. Help us. God, help us. Help us grow in grace and in the knowledge of you. Help us see you for who you really are. Help us understand, Lord God, your great humiliation. And help us do everything, God, to avoid the greatest humiliation. Jesus, Fill us, Jesus. Lead us, Jesus. Call us, Lord. Help us to respond to you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us be given unto you in your will like never before. Oh, God, help us cry out unto you in all humility and surrender, God. And let the power of your spirit possess us like never before. Oh, God, shine in our hearts. You're the day star. You're the great and morning star. Oh God, you're the only one that shines forever and ever. Shine in our hearts. Oh God, help us see the day star in the darkest of nights and know that the dawn is just nearby. God, don't let us be close to paradise and miss it. Don't let us see others rejoicing in paradise while we're stuck outside the door of your kingdom, Lord. Do whatever you've got to do to make us real And surrender to you like never before, Jesus. Oh God, we're here for you. And we're here because of you, Jesus. And without you, we can do nothing. Oh God, in our hearts and in our spirits, we clap for you.
we clap for you, Lord. Thank you. If you're a little bit far away from God lately, would you just would you just close your eyes and open your heart just a little bit and dare to feel the touch of the Master's hand as once more he says, come up hither. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you've gotten cold lately, if your spirit's not on fire, it can be once again. The old song says he's as close as the mention of his name, Jesus. Save me, God. Save me from the lies of the enemy. Save me from the lust of myself. Save me, God, for your kingdom. Save me by your great surrender, Lord. Save me through your sufferings and your great humiliation. And Lord, make me real. This church needs apostolic men. This church needs apostolic men. Men that are tender in heart and strong in spirit. Men that will lead this movement forward. Surrender your heart unto him and watch what he'll make you. Watch what you can become when you simply say yes to his will. Praise God. Let's pray. Let's dare to pray. Oh God. Pray until you pray until you know that he's coursing through your spirit. Pray until you can feel his his own heartbeat beating inside of you. Pray until you feel the direction that he wants you to follow. Pray until you're empowered from on high. Oh God, pray to the captain of your salvation. Pray to the one that loves you. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We live in a terrible age of lies and deceit. We live in an age where even churches, even churches will tell you the wrong thing now. Jesus, deliver us from the false teachers and the false prophets and the false doctrines and the hollow promises that mean nothing, God, and deliver us into your great kingdom. Establish your kingdom in our hearts as well, Lord, and help us grow by your strength, oh God. Thank you, Lord. The suffering that we endure in this life is nothing, God, in comparison to yours. Forgive us of our sins, God. Cleanse our hearts from iniquity. Forgive us, Lord God, for being the ones that crucified you because of our sin. And deliver us, God, in Jesus' name. Praise God.
Lord, Lord Jesus, let your spirit so possess us that we, we can leave this place and be witnesses for you to our neighbors and our friends and our family, to those that we work with and go to school with. God, help us to shine for you. Lead people, Lord God, to, to this church. God, help us bring them the gospel of salvation. Help us be real. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Can we all stand one more time together? As a church, as a congregation. Can you put your arm around somebody? Just make contact with somebody. We're the children of the Most High. We're God's heritage. We're His flock. And He's our Good Shepherd. And we know His voice. And we hear His voice. Jesus. Help us see, God. Help us see. Help us perceive who we really are in your sight. Help us see the way forward. Clearly, God, help us see the way forward. And by your grace, Lord God, supply the needs of this congregation so that they can, they can thrive, God, where they are. They can thrive, God, by your power and spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we love you, Jesus. We love you, God, more than anything. God, take control of this congregation. In Jesus' name. God, let us take the next step on the journey together with you. Help our brothers and sisters, God. Help us to... Help us to love one another in the unity of faith and spirit because we're joined together in one common vision, Lord, to do your work and will. Oh, God. Pray, church. Pray. Oh, God. Help us see, Lord, and understand. Hallelujah. God, remember us when you come into your kingdom. Remember us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, at your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. To the glory of God the Father. There's none like you in all the earth. There's none like you in the universe, Lord. You alone are worthy and we clap for you, Jesus. We worship you, God, with all of our strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Praise God. The image of uh, Luke chapter 13, and he gives the description and the image of the shut door. I've often contemplated, I've said this to you before in preaching and teaching. Um, I'm a very visual person, and so when I'm reading scripture, to me, the best way for me to try to grasp what's being done is to try to put myself into that situation. I've often wondered what it was like to wake up after watching this madman with his three boys year after year for 120 years collect logs and build this monstrosity in the middle of nowhere. And then to tell me year after year as I walk by on my way to work, there's a flood coming. I don't even know what a flood is. I don't even understand the context of what that means. But this madman seems to tell me that I need to pay attention and that I should get on this monstrosity with them. And I ignore him because I've got life to do. I've got things to do. I've got a family to raise. I've got kids to feed. I've got things to do. And and maybe it was my intention to one day actually listen to him, but it's it's I've got things to do and there's times. And I can't imagine the day what it felt like for that first raindrop to hit on the nose to realize, what is that? Where is that coming from? What's happening? And the, the, the sheer, I, I, we've been in, I, we could all tell stories and been in panic modes before, panic situations. Those modes where just fear just absolutely takes over. You just become paralyzed. We were just reminiscing about it a couple of days ago. My wife and I were talking about several years ago when this guy that was was on a drinking and drug binge walked through the woods in bare feet, happened to come out of the woods right across the street from where we lived. And it was well past midnight. We were home. My wife and I were home. And he proceeded to tried to bang and break the doors down and ran around our house banging and beating on the doors. And I remember we looked back as a couple of minutes, but man, that, that, it just felt like three hours. We're in the, we're in our closet on the phone with the police and the police is, police is on their way. And I'm like, you know, it's been six hours. Why aren't you here yet? Hurry up. And it was only a few minutes, but I, I've been in those situations, know what it's like to have that but I can't imagine, Brother Grossbach, the moment that that left, and then it realizes that dude was right. That guy was right. And being a father and being a husband, it strikes me, what do you do? And I, 
You run home and you get your wife and you get your kids and say, come on, guys, we got to go. Drop everything you're doing. We've got to go. Where we're we going? We got to go get to that boat. That guy was right. But I've got to go to school. No, it doesn't matter anymore. I've got work. No, it doesn't matter. We've got short. No, it doesn't matter. Get your stuff. Let's go. Do I pack a bag? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Just get yourself out the door. We've got to go. And you take off and you run and you wait to see that guy who's invited you for 120 years get on board. And you go to the boat and he's not there. And that door that you watched being built. The door that you watch being. And then some crazy day out of nowhere, this zoo shows up. And you watch all these animals get on board and you think, what's happening? But then you go to the door and the door's shut. And I and I've often in my mind imagined the Bible said they beat on the door. Let us in. And being a father, I can imagine, and, and watching my wife, knowing how she cares about our children, I can imagine just saying, you know what, don't, don't take us, just take our kids. We'll, we'll die. We're, we, it doesn't matter to us anymore. We're just, but take, take our kids. To know that my decisions affected them. When you look at it that way, the perspective of what we're dealing with and the stuff that we let get in our way to just simply come into church, just simply gathering together some of the stuff, football. There's nobody in here that's a bigger sports fan. I'll go toe-to-toe with you. But really... Stuff that we let get in our way. When that door shut, there's not enough stats you can quote of all of the stuff you know that can get that door when that door shut. And we have, and I've done it. We've all done it. We have so devalued eternity. The soberness we feel in here, the soberness is a godly soberness because we've devalued eternity. And when you devalue eternity, everything you're going through is magnified. It's easy to throw in the towel over some silly offense. It's easy to say, well, I'm not going back there because so-and-so didn't shake my hand. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm not going back there because they don't recognize who I am. Really? That shows you someone who has devalued eternity and devalued the magnitude of who he is. And you know what? For us to pass people and to see people every day and not even stop long enough to realize that these people are lost without Jesus Christ, we've devalued eternity. Doesn't mean we walk around morbid. I mean, the Bible talks about we should have joy and happiness. We're not walking around morbid or we're just holding on to it. I'm not talking about becoming doomsday seekers where we just hold on. That's not the porn making. But to, we've got to understand what really this is all about. Paul said, woe be unto me that I preach the gospel, find myself a castaway. I remember one of the first prayers I can remember praying as a kid was, Lord, I just want to be saved. I would challenge you today, don't pray that prayer 
if you don't mean it, because he'll take you up on it. We used to sing a song. I love one of my favorite songs. I was singing. I find myself singing it today. And I'm not trying to preach again. Brother Grossbach already obeyed God, but just this is on my heart. So just give me one more moment. The song I remember singing the most as a kid, and I, still today I find myself singing it over and over again. For above all else, I must be saved. And then I sing that line, and it comes out without even realizing it. But I know when I sing it, what it means. So whatever you've got to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. And God says, are you really serious? And some of you are so mad at God because of what he's doing in your life. And he's saying, but you asked for it. But God, it's not going the way I wanted. Yeah, but you told me for above all else, you just wanted to be saved. And you said, whatever it took. To save you, I'm trying to save you. So stop trying to pray for God to change your circumstances and start praying for God to change you. For above all else, I must be saved. So whatever you've got to do to me, Don't let me be lost for eternity. You've heard the story, and I finish with this, but you heard the story. It's in the the Fox's Book of Martyrs. During the time where they were torturing people, trying to get them to recant the faith, there was finally this, this, there was this device called the rack. You've heard this story before, but some of you haven't. There was this device called the rack, and basically the rack was simply a very simple but very effective device. You would be strapped into it, arms, feet, and there would be a crank. And they would just simply crank it, and as they cranked it, this device would expand. And the whole purpose of the device was simply to inflict enough pain, and eventually if the pain, if you did not stop, the pain would become so great as it literally tore your body to pieces. Ripped you apart. So there's one story that as people gathered that there was a line of people and they were torturing them and there was this man on the rack and they would crank it and they would do one click and they'd ask him and no and click again, no and no. And he was just simply in such in just immense agony and pain and just beyond words as as bones began to snap, as ligaments. You could hear it as, 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 as they began to snap and crack and pop. And finally, after this immense amount of pain and torture, he finally says, okay, I, I, I'm done. I'll, I'll, whatever you want. And the story goes that he gets off the rack and they unstrap him and he takes just a few, few feet and he falls over dead. There was a young girl that was watching all of this, and the story goes that she looked at him and said, You fool. You traded a moment of peace for an eternity of suffering. Don't listen to the lie of the devil that tries to get you a moment of peace in return for an eternity of suffering. Father, you have spoke so clearly into this place today. It's what we needed to hear, but Lord, it's not what some of us wanted to hear. But because you're a loving Father, you care more about our character than you do our comfort. 
you're willing to love us and speak to us, even things we don't want to hear, but the things that we need to hear. Lord, today I want to thank you for challenging us today. Thank you for challenging me. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for bringing some things back into perspective that I've lost. Forgive me, God, for my attitude. Forgive me for the things that I've even accused you of. But in the whole time of accusing you, your heavenly Father trying to save me, help me. God, I pray today that as we leave here today, we go about our business, we get caught back in life, we've got things to do, places to go, but deep down inside, the soberness that's in this room would be carried in our hearts. The soberness that we feel today would be carried on our jobs tomorrow, that when we walk on our jobs, that we would walk on there with a sense of soberness, not in a, not a soberness of sadness, but a soberness of reality. Father, I thank you today. We love you. Lord, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for not giving up on me in my moments of stupidity, in my moments of humiliation, the things I've done. Lord, that your love has cut through my flesh straight into my heart, that your blood still flows. Thank you for that. I pray today, I lose your blessing on your people as we leave this place today, that we leave knowing who we are, but more important, we leave knowing whose we are, and that's yours. Thank you today, in Jesus' name. Brother Grossbach, thank you for being a man of God and obeying what God put in your heart today and telling us what we needed to hear, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Would you just stand really quickly? Let's just lift our hands and give, the, give God thanks one more time. Can we do that? He is worthy. Tell him thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for challenging me today. Praise God. Praise God.